Seahawks fans, wherever you may be, welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Hey, Seahawks fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Thanks for joining us. I'm Bill Alpstead, sitting down with Keith Myers, as always, my co-host, Keith Myers, our 322nd or 23rd show all all time. That's a, that's is a that lot all? of shows, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It's a lot of shows. Um, you know, and as a, as for the most of that time, we were a weekly show, and so... Uh, to go that long, having not missed a week, and I mean, we've got, we went to um, twice a week here. It's been yeah. less than a, less than a year, so um, actually, it's been what seven months. Um, but still, I mean, that's a lot of shows. Yeah, it's good to be consistent, and um, you know, it never uh, dies down for us. We we're on um, all year. Um, there's definitely more than enough content to kind of stick around, and um, in the off season, there's just, you know, one or two or maybe three shows that kind of stay somewhat consistent throughout the year. So it's good to be in that group and, um, and keep up on stuff. So we are in the process of doing, uh, team roster evaluations across the board in different position groups. So far we've covered the quarterback group in the first week, and then we did corners and safeties in our last show, um, along with, excuse me, corners in the in the uh show after the quarterbacks and then safeties and linebackers in our last show today we're going to move along to the um defensive line the defensive ends edges and defensive tackles we're also going to kind of check in with the otas that have been going on this week um there's not a heck of a lot of news emerging out of there but i did have a few notes and i did want to talk about a few players some some selective players throughout the roster just to kind of gauge your thoughts on some some different things how you doing i'm doing good um just thinking about uh, having these otas and and what information we can get from them and um yeah we're i mean if you're looking to find out who's going to win that quarterback battle um this time of year you're going to be disappointed because things like that aren't going to be decided until um probably late august so uh, yeah, um, it's been an, been an interesting, um, few practices though. A lot of guys on the shelf with injury and we should probably talk about that. Yeah. It's actually one of the things that I, I had written down was the missing players and we can just start with the guys that aren't even, uh, participating on the field at all. And that includes safety, Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs. Uh, mm-hmm. with the most significant, uh, injuries, I think on the defensive side of the ball, Jamal with the shoulder um quandre Diggs recovering from the broken leg marquise blair's in that group as well you can add running back chris carson there with the neck um surgery in the offseason receiver dk medcalf with the foot surgery uh cornerback trey brown with the patella tendon um and then linebackers ben burkirvin and john radigan with acls uh gabe jackson and tackle uh Al Woods are just out because they don't want to come to OTAs. They're just going to be at at, mini, at uh, regular camp. 
tight end Noah Fant and rookie cornerback uh, Kobe Bryant were uh, missing left practice um, to, to handle some family stuff. That's my list. I'm sure there's probably a few others uh, like yeah. Tariq Wolin and so forth who were out a day or two and then came back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not counting little insignificant <clears throat> things like that. Rashad Penny missed some time with a um, a hamstring, but then he came back and and was able to participate in the final day um, of the most recent OTA. So, yeah, I mean, there are guys that are in and out. And this time of year, the team's not going to push anyone, right? So if someone's a little banged up, they're a little sore, they sit out a day. And so then that's just kind of the way it works. Is there anything on that list at all that gives you any pause at all as far as I know it's not the, the time of the year that you worry about such things, but um, are you are you hearing any indications at all that any of those guys will be unavailable come training camp? Chris Carson, actually. Um, Chris Carson is yet to be cleared for um, to practice even at all. Um, coach and, said he would have the information at the end of the week, and I, I haven't heard from Coach Yeah, yet, we haven't but, heard anything yeah. yet. So, um, but... I'm concerned because the neck surgery, um, the neck injury that he had is the same thing that um, Cam ended Cam Chancellor's career, ended uh, Cliff Averill's uh, career. Um, and now we've got uh, Carson with that same injury. And being a running back, like think about the impact that he takes and all that kind of stuff. I know he's trying to come back. It's that he's rehabbing, he's doing that. But uh, if I'm being honest, I'm I will be surprised if he plays. And the fact that he, the team still doesn't know where he's at. They don't know, you know, the status of, of his recovery. Um, this late in the game is it's worrying. So um, that's the only, yeah, that's the only, pre- only thing I'm really concerned about. Coach Pete Carroll said that uh, Chris is around the building. He's, he's there, but he's not on the field. He's not really doing much in the way of walkthroughs or anything like that. So, mm-hmm. and he didn't have any further information. So that kind of tells you everything you really need to know. Um, if, if the team doesn't know, <laughs> that's not mm-hmm. a good sign, you know, when you're at the, at the first of, of June. It um, sounds a lot like when Cam Chancellor was um, sitting out there and not able to come back and all of that. And um, you just I mean, don't they, hear a lot when this you, happens. You hear nothing right. there's, because there is no news until there is news. And that news tends to never not be good if you if you wait that long for it. If there was positive things, we'd be hearing about it. We'd be hearing about him working out. We'd hear, be hearing about him running, even if he can't. I did, I did see, things, you know, wh- so. whether, I mean, it's, it's kind of worthless, but I did see a workout video of, um, of him uh, in April, the first of April, um, doing some some running some jogging some workouts some agility type type stuff but non-contact just kind of you know working out um but it doesn't really doesn't really give you any indication as to what's mm-hmm. gonna happen all right i wanted to mention um the passing of the first general manager in seahawks yes. franchise history john thompson age 95 obviously lived a, a long full life um came to the team uh when the franchise was first uh, first arrived and mm-hmm. uh, led the team uh through those first uh drafts i think he was from 75 76 to 80 i'm just gonna have the information in front of me i think it's like 82 or something like that um where he, he was, was the general, one who general ha- manager 
he was the general manager who hired um, Chuck Knox. Uh, and Jack Patera. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think he he moved on during Chuck Knox's tenure um, in Seattle. So there's that. He's also one of the people credited with the name of Seahawks. Yes, um, that is true. And I know that ultimately that that decision was made by the owner, but he was one of the people that that champion the name because it wasn't one of the it wasn't one of the options right there was a there was a vote um that was sent out that you know where, where um people in the community could vote on the team names and, and seahawks was not one of the options but it was a write-in um you know that that some people had had and he got word of it and liked it and pitched it to the owner and kind of pushed for it so, it's hard to imagine any other name I mean, it really it just it really it's like Chinook or Saka. I mean, who knows, right? Sasquatch. It's like, what else is there? I mean, Seahawk just fits. It's like it 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 uh, kind of mm -hmm. lends itself to the lore, the the, the way the logo is designed of of uh, the native uh, folks that live in in the Seattle and Washington State area. And um, I don't know. It's just it's kind of perfect. Um, okay. So I want to talk to you. We're going to get to the defensive ends, defensive tackles, but I want to talk to you just about a few different players um, that are kind of stepping up or or expected to step up or changing positions and so forth. And the first one I wanted to talk to you about was LJ Collier. We're going to get to him here as part of the defensive tackle group because they've switched him full-time into that bucket, defensive tackle, rushing from the three-tech, four-tech spot, away from mm -hmm. the defensive end responsibilities at five-tech. He's paired there with Shelby Harris, who was uh, came over in the Denver trade, and then Quentin Jefferson uh, was assigned as a free agent to come back in. I liked the Quentin Jefferson signing. I think that's one of the most underrated signings in the offseason. I saw a little stat, Keith, on um, ESPN or PFF that showed the get-off time for defensive tackles slash defensive ends. And maybe it was just defensive tackles in the nfl and quentin jefferson ranked fifth overall last year with a um get off the line of scrimmage time of 0.88 which was only uh you know behind aaron donald was was the leader of the pack followed by chandler jones i think Hargra hargraves was in there and then a couple other guys i can't remember um so that's that's pretty impressive um for him i think he's really going to help there but lj collier is now expected to um to be an inside pass rusher for this team and i'm just <laughs> after last so this is his rookie not his rookie year but the year before last he had like 700 snaps um and actually had some impressive plays plays that mm -hmm. gave you hope that he might um take a step forward this last year and he did quite the opposite he went from I said 560 snaps um, in 2020. In 2021, he played 218 snaps. Mm -hmm. Little effect, really only had um, eight tackles, five quarterback hits, zero sacks from that. From those yeah, he was a snaps. guy that um, was completely invisible as a rookie. Might as well, you know, his presence on the on the roster made no impact whatsoever. Then played pretty well his second year. Um, there were there was some expectation thinking like okay we saw that improvement come in and 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 improve upon it and yeah there was nothing um from him last year he's a guy that was 
really disappointing. Um, and part of that was the increased depth at the position um, and the fact that they, you know, had guys like um, Carrie Hader uh, there um, taking snaps away from him and, and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also that he, he will, he, they want the team wanted him to move inside to the three tech and, and not just be the five tech. Um, and he didn't, he was unsuccessful in there and he kept losing, you know, where he was a, a healthy scratch because, yes. um, Robert Kim who also was completely ineffective, um, would be active on game day, um, yes. for that role. And so, yeah, I mean, we'll see where, where he comes out. He's a guy that has the strength he's got the size he's got the physicality to be um a guy that does good things there but we just haven't seen it on the inside the so way I, he when he made things happen two years ago it was at the five tech on the outside so i guess from my understanding is the team had originally asked him to uh lose a little bit of weight so he could increase some of his twitchy twitchiness if he had any and some some speed to get you know around the outside a little bit more and so he came into camp at like 274 mm-hmm. or something like that. <clears throat> and then when, when he got there, they moved him inside and he was just not prepared physically, uh, beefed up enough to be able to take on that role. And you, you mentioned it just didn't do well. And this year he's coming in at, uh, 296 pounds, I believe. Whoa. Yeah. See, the and, last I and, saw was he was up to 291 and the team said he wasn't done. Yeah. Um, so I haven't seen the 296. That's, Two, that's a good spot for him. 296 and apparently full-time three-tech and they expect him to compete for that position. Yeah. So we'll we'll see how that goes. So he sounds like he's more physically prepared to take mm-hmm. on that role this year. Maybe that's the difference for him. I, I don't know. I mean, and I heard there was some issues with maturity. Uh, and so forth and understanding what it takes to be an NFL pro and all that kind of stuff. And you never know, Keith, maybe, maybe fourth years, the, the charm, they did decline his fifth year option. So this is it for him. This is really kind of a contract year. This is opportunity to show that he belongs in the NFL, not just with the Seahawks, if it should come to that. And um, I, I, I root for guys like this, you know, it's, it, it is what it is though. He's been ineffective so far. I've just, curious as to what your expectations would be for him my expectations right now are they're pretty low to be honest um he's not a guy that i count in as um a contributor and i'm sorry about that if you're listening um uh and mr collier but you know you haven't shown me anything so come in and prove me wrong um but you know if when he's out there i'm gonna root for him because I want him to do well. If he's if out he there, that means he's he's done enough. Yeah. Um, or even just in practice, I'm going to root for him. Because the better he is, the better the team is. So never root against a player. Um, I want to see him come out and, and do things. I just don't expect a lot from him. I think, And I think the team will be okay if he doesn't. I think they've got guys. And, and the Quint Jefferson move, which you mentioned earlier, is basically that. It's a hedge on Collier. If Collier has no development in, and improvement, it doesn't matter because and the, Jefferson and the, can fill and the in Shelby that Harris is, is doing the same thing. Yeah. Well, Shelby, so. I have, I have, I have higher hopes um, for Shelby Harris. So, but that's a completely different and thing. And Shelby Harris moves, you know, between the five tech and the three tech. Um, 
I'm going to switch gears and go to the offense, but a similar situation. So when you, if you remember, and I'm sure you do, LJ Collier came in, got hurt his rookie season in training camp, never really kind of recovered from that. And then by the time he did, I think in week four or something like that, he was behind in the depth chart, never really got a chance, came in halfway through the season, was somewhat ineffective. D. Eskridge, Keith, on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, the team now has uh, clearly defined roles at the top with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Um, it seems like the number three spot is up for grabs, although Freddie Swain performed really well last year in that utility role. Uh, but I think they're, they're, they're hoping for something a little bit more dynamic, and D.S. Gridge mm-hmm. fits that bill. That's why they drafted oh, yeah. him, right? And yeah, so now he's coming in fully healthy. He's apparently lost seven pounds so that he can reclaim all the speed that he had prior to the draft last year. So he's down to 190 pounds. Um, and apparently all the speed is there and he's geared up to go. Yeah. Um, he's got to stay healthy. He didn't do that um, last year, which. Oh, I had a devastating concussion too. Yeah. I mean, and it was, I mean, yeah, he, they, he had to go get um, special like rehab in order to, so that way he could start motion tracking and stuff like it was, that was bad. It was just unfortunate because he had the other injury and then he came back and he just took a kind of a cheap shot right on the sidelines, which, which knocked him out. And that concussion knocked him out for like um, four weeks. If I remember right. No longer. Was it longer than that? Full seven games, but he really didn't come back until week 10 after the bye. Yeah, it was, I mean, he's a guy with tremendous upside and talent. And we just didn't get a chance to use any of that last year. And that's unfortunate. Um, but there's there's a lot of talent there. He's a guy. He's a weapon. He's just straight up a weapon. You can line him up uh, in the slot. You can line him up the outside. His speed is, um, you know, crazy. And his quickness on top of that speed, like his ability to, to change direction and get open in short um, space is great. And then once you get in the ball, because he's got that speed, he can take it you know, the distance I'm excited for him. I, I want to see him out there. I'm, I'm ready for him to come in and make an impact. And I, you know, if he doesn't come in and make an impact, well, then the team might be looking for a, um, another option as a third wide receiver next year. The NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs? With DraftKings Same Day Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more, and boom! you have a shot at an even bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place the same game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN, bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Um, so this was the the week that the rookies took the field for the first time with the veterans. Um, mm-hmm. So it's kind of nice. Um, there's a little piece on Seahawks.com, a new series they're doing, um, Sights and Sounds, something like that. 
And the first one came out um, Wednesday, and it shows the draft, the draft process, the phone calls to the players, the players coming in the building, their first mini camp, and so forth. I highly recommend people go out and look for that um, to watch that if you subscribe to uh, Seahawks.com on their um, YouTube channel. Uh, it'll be up there. Um, also, I wanted to talk to you just a minute about the roster impact changes that the league made. Um, you've got the roster is going to be cut down to 85 players after the first preseason, 80 players after the second preseason, and then 53 after the first, uh, third preseason. Last year, it was just all at the same time. Boom. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of going back to the staggered um, player cuts. And then um, they made some updates to the uh, practice squad and eligible to return to uh, to the roster from injured reserve. You can do that after four games this year. I believe last year it was three games. So that delays it a little bit. The practice squad increases to 16 players. And then there's some eligibility for call-ups increased from two games to three games. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it just helps a little bit kind of manage that roster um, yeah, increases um, the roster a little bit. It makes it easier for teams I to kind like, of hold on to players. I like the 16-player um, uh, practice squads. I mean, that's a lot more yeah. players. And it just, a lot more it just three years ago, two years ago, it used to be 10. So this is a lot better, a lot easier to manage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I I like that. I think that you used to see this with Seattle a lot, where they would they had guys that were on the practice squad and then back off. And a week later, they were back on, and then they were back off. And it was basically like a shadow roster. You know, you had a 10-man a um, practice squad that had 16 guys on it, and everyone just took a turn as who was um, on it and who wasn't. And I didn't like that, because you have these guys that are basically full-time you know, practice squad members that were getting half pay. Uh, for it because they spend mm-hmm. half the time not on the roster. Um, and so getting them where they can actually be on the roster the whole time is good for them. It's good for the team. Um, it allows the scout team to, you know, have a little bit of, um, you know, continuity where you've got the same kind of the same guys learning the opposing team's offense and, and you know, get, helping the defense get prepared and that kind of stuff um, week in and week out. And so it's, there's a lot to like there. And it, yeah, you're right about it. it. Allowing teams to hold on to players a little bit more, but every team now has more spots to hold on to players. It just, it, it expands the player pool. It's a bunch of jobs that were just created for football players. And how can we not like that? I agree. Okay. So let's get to the roster. Um, we, we dipped into the defensive ends a little bit on our linebacker show. Cause there's some crossover there. Um, we mentioned players like Daryl Taylor, Shelby Harris mm-hmm. already, uh, Alton Robinson, LJ Collier. Now there's really not a lot behind that. Um, we can talk about, uh, Boye Mafe and Tariq Smith, our draft picks. Uh, they're going to be integrated into that list now. And then Alex, uh, Changum is the other guy along with Marcus Webb that's on their defensive end list. Um, guys that were hanging around the practice squad. For the most part, yeah. I mean, we're we're the guys that were the guys that are listed as as defensive ends right now. There's a bunch of them that are outside linebackers in a three four. So, so talk to everyone about that. Like, 
what is what are the two defensive end position groups within the roster right now as you define them and who's in those buckets as as you as you understand it well i'm trying to look at 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 our roster as a 3-4 roster so a lot of the players that are listed as defensive ends are really outside linebackers and we're talking about Daryl Taylor, Al- Alton Robinson, Boye Mafe, um even Alex Chingham, um Ty- are, Ty- Tyreek Smith. Yeah. I mean these are guys that are outside linebackers in in the in a 3-4. Um and what that does is that means that guys that you know Shelby Harris it's 288 and LJ Collier who's 290 um, these are your defensive ends because you've only got three defensive linemen now, right? You've got your nose tackle and your and your your two ends. One's a three tech and one's a five tech. And you're like, wait, a three tech is a defensive end? And you're like, well, that's what happens when you've only got three defensive linemen. <laughs> um, and so we are looking at at a, a kind of a different system and a different way of thinking about it. Defensive ends are no longer um small, twitchy, get so when you, corner guys. When you talk about a three four alignment what's that look like on x's and o's um at the line of scrimmage so are you even though it says three four sometimes we might have four oh, at yeah. the line of scrimmage or five even five sometimes right so so how does so that what work? you what you have is it's not completely unlike what seattle had before where seattle had an offset for three um and that meant that we had a nose tackle we had a three and a five tech um, the three we count, we call the defensive tackle. The five was a defensive end. And then we had our um, seven tech or the Leo on the other side and the strong side linebacker up at the line of scrimmage. The strong side linebacker didn't put his hand on the ground, but he was still up at the line of scrimmage. Um, really had this five guys across the front. Um, now we've, we're by calling it a three, four. Well, we've got a nose tackle and the three and five tech. That should sound familiar. Um lining up in exactly the same spot as it was before um we've still we've also got the strong side linebacker in exactly the same spot i'm gonna stop you really quick yeah what uh, on the alignment on the gap assignments keith Mm -hmm. i'm understanding that the gap assignments in the three four are slightly shifted so while you're saying the three four those three are familiar they're lining up exactly the same spots i'm understanding that they're they're shifting so that they can one and a half gap now as opposed to yeah one, so, one gap or two gap i mean there will be some there will be um you know the, the three tech might line up in the as a two tech um or a four tech instead and and they're gonna that's gonna be multiple these are some the, these are somatics i mean they are normal fans are gonna look at this yeah it's go, very whatever this is, this is very wonkish just trying you know <laughs> sorry we lost in these weeds right. forever right. um but what it comes down to is i don't believe and having looked at um what uh these coaches when they were when they coached in chicago what that system did they're not going to be two gapping very much um two gapping means that instead of having a single gap assignment and your job is just to get in in that spot between offensive linemen and 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 do your thing there two gapping means you you stack uh, um an offensive lineman and read the running back and you either shed um either inside or outside um, in one of the two gaps on either side of you, depending on where the running back goes. Um, I don't believe this team is going to be going to be doing a lot of two gapping just you, based on you, the Chicago. Do you think that they're going to be doing team. a lot of um, penetrating to a certain point and, and holding? Yes. 
And that's really so what describe, you describe that. So what that means is, is that you, you still, it's kind of going back to more of a, a four, three concept where you have a single gap, but you don't just shoot your, that gap and keep going because what happens is if, um, you leave yourself open to cutbacks and the guy, the running back can run behind you. So instead you shoot the gap and then stop. Um, and basically you create, um, a problem. We make the running back run around you and give the linebackers an extra second. So to, it forces um, things out wide as opposed to, to trying to come through the, the middle. Yep. And you, by doing that, you have, um, you, it, you have, by having five guys in the line of scrimmage, you have, um, you know, what would be considered a bear front up front. And then the two outside linebackers, um, both either on the line of scrimmage or within a yard of it, um, there you're forcing, you're forcing the runs into those players. Their job is to force it, to keep it from getting even wider and allow the inside linebackers to come up and make a play. And so you end up with multiple guys really making it hard for the running back to get going and and they don't get to choose where they're going to run because you you're dictating that to them okay so now i want to get back to the original question which is okay which bucket does some of these players fall into you talked about daryl taylor and alton robinson and i think they're outside linebackers okay um to me i look at when i look at the the people who are listed as defensive ends on this roster i see um collier and harris um as the two guys that are going to stay on at, or as defensive linemen and not end up as an outside linebacker in terms of where they line up. Assuming that this team really does make the transition to a three, four. And then you might add making. Quentin Jefferson to that pile just because he's the more athletic of the defensive tackles and he's probably yeah. closer to Shelby Harris than anybody. Yeah. And so to me, like, you know, I would definitely put him there. I mean, he was a defensive end um on the roster last time he was here so he he belongs there um and then all all the defensive tackles also all fit so the defensive line is just those three spots and it's it's all guys that are going to be 290 or, or or above so uh let's talk about the the nose tackle in this scheme then um, so let's talk about puna ford let's talk about al woods let's talk about mm-hmm. brian Mon- monet what do you see in that group i mean you got two run stuffers in Monet and, and Woods. Monet is more of a space eater. I, they've listed him as 345 pounds um, on the wild. roster. If you've, <laughs> if you've seen him, he's a monster. If, if you've seen him, the, the last time he was 240 or 345 pounds was when and he was like a um, junior in high school. This is a, a mammoth human being who played that 360 in college. And I don't believe he's any smaller now. Um, not disruptive, but man, that guy eats up space. Um, Al Woods at three thirty eats up a lot of space, but he actually has strength to, um, truly, truly be disruptive. And then Puna Ford is just, I mean, he's only three ten, but he, and he's also only five eleven. Um, just a phenomenal player, and with natural leverage, he's always underneath um the center and guards pads. Um, all three of those guys can play that position. Uh, Puna's been the starter at nose tackle for years, but honestly, with the new um, defense, he needs to be at the three tech Um, and you let Al Woods be the starter at the nose tackle. I just think that that is a better use of the talents of both of those players. 
What do you expect to happen? What do I expect to happen? I expect Punaford to be the nose tackle because he's just damn good at it. <laughs> he's pretty he's pretty good at it. You know, I he, he is. He's 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 kind of in between. See, he's somewhat underrated in in certain aspects and other things like I think stopping the run, he's not quite as stout as you would might want to be, but he's so athletic and he's so leverage oriented with the, with mm-hmm. his height and squattiness. He's able to take advantage of some of those matchups that he's got. Okay. I wanted to ask you about it. I still think Puna Ford is a natural three tech playing out of position. Um, And I think his. um, Yeah, he's shown that. He's shown the ability to get upfield. Yeah, his skill set to me says he needs to be moved over. And you let Al Woods have that starting job at the um, nose tackle. And then you have, um, you know, Shelby Harris at the five tech. And that will be your starting defensive line. And honestly, that is a pretty damn good starting defensive they, line. They do have some game. options here. I'm 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 a little concerned with the depths. Miles Adams, Jared Hewitt, Miles, Niles Scott. Uh, if you go over to the other side, L.J. Collier, Tan, uh, Changum, Marcus Webb. Those guys really aren't offering a lot. Those are just Mm-mm. pieces. I think L.J. Collier is probably going to have a hard time even making the roster with this group. Um, I wanted to ask you about a couple of players and, and, and um, specifically, I'm hearing like a, a lot of buzz about Boye Mafi. Like mm-hmm. Michael Bumpus came out and said, based on what he's hearing, what he's seen, he expects Mafi to lead the team in sacks this year. Now, you can say that Daryl Taylor's only had six and a half sacks uh, of the remaining players on the roster. He leads the group and, and the guy that's had the most sacks in a year. So, it's not a huge stretch to say Boye Mafe might be in that conversation. Um, I want to talk to you about that, and I want to talk to you about Alton Robinson. Like, what do you expect from Alton Robinson this year, given the group that we have? And then, what do you are you hearing anything about Mafe? So Mafe is a guy that the team is super excited to get him. Like, they did not expect him to be available at all where they drafted him. You and I did not expect him to be available there. Like we, we thought, thought he was going to go uh, yeah, much earlier. Within the last week or so of the of the draft process leading up to it, we were hearing tons of, of um, talk and chatter about him moving into the back of the first round. Yeah, I mean, we were expecting him to be picked in, you know, like 28, 29, somewhere in there. And so for him to be available, you know, in the 40s was crazy. Um, this is a guy with tremendous um, ability to, off the get off the ball get up field get around a corner it's he's he's going to be a special player as an outside linebacker i understand the team's first choice was a bacchetti um and he he came off the board like three picks earlier and and they shifted they they moved but they were plenty happy with this with this pick as well oh yeah i mean okay um they were in a position where they option one a or one b it's like the people at the top of the yeah. draft that well, were, it was, they, you know, had was, all, he was they more had this, refined this than, yeah. than Mafe. Mafe's he, got the raw upside. Up, I yeah. personally go with that because of the where the roster's at uh, mm-hmm. in, as a whole. You're I not looking for a guy that's going to, yeah. I mean, this team isn't ready to compete for a Super Bowl right now. Get Go with the higher upside guy and develop and You'll have a better player a year from now. Um, and so I, sure, I, I, I love the pick and I still do. Um, I expect I have I have high expectations for him. Him leading the the um, the team in sacks wouldn't surprise me because he's going to be lining up 
on the weak side outside linebacker in a three, four. So, um, you know, this system that they run, um, is, you know, as a one gap three, four is much like what, um, you know, the 49ers ran during the Harbaugh years. And so basically they're putting him in the Alden Smith role. They're going to, they're going to dial this thing up to allow him I mean, wow. to go after I mean, the Alden Smith, I think when he was a rookie, dude, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't that guy have like 15 sacks or something 16, like that? 16 sacks his rookie year and then like 20 the following year. But you have, I mean, he was, he was a special talent um, and was in a system that was designed to take advantage of his special talent. Um, Mafe is going to be in a similar situation where he's going to be the guy that's featured as a pass rusher. They're going to create situations where he can just get to the quarterback um, and use all that talent to get there um, and not asking Whoa. him to beat a guy one-on-one in order to get there. Just use your speed, go after him. So if, for him to lead the team in sacks, uh, I hope so. Cause if he doesn't, that's, that's, that, that either means that um, someone else is having a monster year and I can Daryl Taylor that too. Yeah. Daryl Taylor, who's going to be coming off, coming off the edge from the other side, or it means that he really didn't have a good year and that would be disappointing. But um, Daryl Taylor is going to be coming in um, from on the, off the strong side, um, which is a harder spot to attack um, the quarterback from, because you've got a tight end there. You've got farther to go. Um, you've also got more responsibilities as far as like you have to read and, and set an edge and and um, there's more thinking and less just going after the quarterback um, than the weak side. So I think he'll be fine. I think I think Daryl Taylor um, should improve on last year's sack total, go from six and a half to eight and a half or something like that. But Mafia's going to have the opportunity to go after you know 12 especially sacks. with a guy like daryl taylor who's probably going to command some double teams um, mm-hmm. now and again it'll be interesting uh, so well and okay. shelby harris is going to command some double teams i think he's the underrated part of this entire thing um shelby harris go back and re-watch denver play um last year and you're going to notice shelby harris in the backfield a lot he pretty much lived i got it in the backfield i have a question for you so should we be including uchenna nuasu in this conversation yeah i mean we're talking him as as he's an outside linebacker he's a guy that's going to be there i think that um nuasu and 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 he had five and a half sacks last year with with the chargers true he did uh i think he's more of an like he did have five and a half sacks but go look at the number of, of snaps that he had to get there to me, he's more of an off the line of scrimmage guy. Like they're going to bring him at times, but they're going to ask him to set an edge. They're going to ask him to play the run. Um, he's mm-hmm. going to be a guy that that just um, has a lot of other responsibilities. So you're thinking that, that Daryl, he's the it's Daryl Taylor and Nuasu on on one side, and yep. Alton Robinson and, and Moffe on, on the other. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely mm-hmm. fun. With Jordan, the, Brooks yeah. fill, with Jordan Brooks <laughs> filling holes and Al Wood and Quentin Jefferson. Like, I think this group is underrated. What I was going to ask you, um, and we should probably wrap up because we're getting to 40 minutes here. Um, we've done the entire defense now. Yeah. Uh, in the last three shows. Um, give me your thoughts overall on what you think. I think the front seven is underrated. I think people are not given the front seven enough credit. Um, 
especially because I mean, you got guys like Daryl Taylor and Boye Mafe that are that are still unknowns, but I think also Puna Ford and um, you know Shelby Harris aren't give, being given the credit that they deserve. I think the front seven is is underrated. I think the back four is um, there's a yeah. lot of there's there's talent I mean, right right now, dude. It's but, Sydney Jones. And yeah. then a whole bunch of un- unknown type stuff. I mean, Trey Brown's yeah. coming off the injury, so we don't know. Artie Burns has not been hugely successful. Kobe got, Bryant's a rookie. Tariq Wollins a, a rookie. Justin Coleman had a down year last year. Yeah. So I think that, that that's the that's the concern. Is it cornerback? And even at safety, you've got two guys that are that are coming off um surgeries, you know, pretty major injuries. And um as your starters and you've and in that is Jamal Adams who is best used at the line of scrimmage but doesn't have the body type to withstand that punishment um he's and so you don't want him as a deep safety because that's not his skill set but if you play him more he's good and he's great when he's up near the line of scrimmage just one of the best um he doesn't seem to hold up durability wise and so and you I, have Marquis Blair to that pile too, and who also has had some durability problems. And by that, he means he hasn't really played for two years. Um, yeah, I, I just I, the the back four tend to me. It, it, there's talent. Don't get me wrong. There's talent. If things fall together, this defense could be real good. But there's a lot of question marks on the back end, and I think the front seven is going to be good, like real good. I think, I think that the might, might help is, the back. Uh, it know, will absolutely it will but i still think that as far as talent and talent deficit and that kind of stuff the back four is um it's where the question marks are at least for me that's where that's where i'm worried yeah yeah i agree i agree all right let's get out of here we're going to come back next week and we're going to talk about the offense um beyond the quarterback position and we should start, uh, we should we should do the offensive line because everyone loves it when we talk offensive line why don't we knock that out keith Okay, let's do that because that's <laughs> it's my favorite group to talk about. Um, I love the big uglies, but um, yeah. we'll get past Memorial Day. Everybody yeah. can have a great time, then everybody will be ready, mindset wise, to come back and like come back down to earth with the offensive line and the road graders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the offensive line this year. Why don't you take over? Why don't you you just lead that show, and I'll cool. just kind of fill in some gaps. Yeah, it's a fun show. <laughs> but only to me. Most people are like, oh my God, do I have to talk about the offensive line again? Actually, it's an exciting time. You got a couple new players <laughs> and, and a, a, a free agent that we signed. Um, so, you know, it's it's there's a lot to talk about. There is a lot to talk about. Three right. new starter, three new starters on the offensive line. Yeah, and I'm not sold on Blythe, but we'll have to I'll have to get that. You don't need to All be. right. He's a starter anyway. <laughs> no, that's true. Right. All right. Find Keith on Twitter at Myers NFL. You can find me at NWC Hawk. You can find the show on your favorite podcast platforms and YouTube. Subscribe, tell your friends, and um, share it for us. So until next time, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Phil is at NWC Hawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.